following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Oh, we 
There is the sound of a mighty storm. I was awakened this morning at first light. The sky was barely tinged with red as the sun rose in the eastern sky. When my eyes opened, I heard the sound of the storm ripping, tearing, trees crashing, houses being destroyed. It was terrifying. I leapt up to look out and see what the storm was doing. And all was calm. And it was a beautiful, beautiful beginning of a new morning. And I said, Lord, what is this? It sounded, it sounded like a mighty storm, but it also sounded like war. I could hear the crashing, the tearing, the destruction. I cried out to God. Lord, what is this? And slowly the sounds of the storm faded, and I recognized that I had been listening in the Spirit, and God was showing me what was coming to America, to you and to me. Satan has come like a roaring lion to tear at us, to destroy us. I am desperately concerned. And I am crying out to God for his mercy. My concern is first and foremost with his church. Many of you listening to the broadcast today have given up going to any church. You might watch something online. You have allowed this foolish COVID to stop you from going to meet with the brothers and sisters. You are afraid. I understand. I do not agree. If ever there was a time when God's people need to come together, 
even in small companies, in homes, and cry out to God, now is that time. The church was vomited out of its buildings. I've come to some very startling conclusions over the last week. Not new, but a new understanding. Many of you stopped going to church before COVID came because there wasn't anything there for you. It was just the same old, same old. As one dear person said to me, I was dying. There was no food in the house of God. It was all foolishness. And so I left. This person said, I need something that revives my spirit. I need something real. Not the same old game of playing church in America. Entertainment. The show must go on. The pastors, for the most part, giving, even if they try, they're still giving kind words of patting on the head and comforting God's people. And that's the last thing God's people need today. We don't need to be patted on the head and patronized like little children. We need a swift kick in the behind to say, come on, get serious with Jesus. I said to a man yesterday, when will you finally decide to get serious with Jesus and not just do what you think you need to do at a minimum level so that you can get your blessing from him? God is not a Santa Claus. He's not a sugar daddy. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's time to be serious about Jesus Christ. And about the end. And so I come today with a very frightening message. I'm going to read for you from the book of Ezekiel. I was sitting in a seminary class when my professor opened the Bible to Ezekiel 16 and he said, I'm going to read for you something you've probably never read for yourself. And he was right. I had never read the Bible from cover to cover. I didn't know much of what was in the Scripture. I have dramatically changed that in my life now, reading it many, 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 many times. Let me read for you, beginning with Ezekiel. 16. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean. 
nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by, and I saw you kicking about in your blood. As you lay there in your blood, I said to you, Live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Your breasts were formed. Your hair grew. You who were naked and bare. Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put leather sandals on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. I put a ring on your nose and earrings on your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver your clothes were of fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth. Your food was fine flour, honey, and olive oil. You became very beautiful and rose to be a queen. And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty, because the splendor I had given you made you and your beauty perfect declares the Sovereign Lord. But you trusted in your beauty and used your fame to become a prostitute. You lavished your favors on anyone who passed by, and your beauty became his. You took some of your garments to make gaudy high places where you carried on your prostitution. Such things should not happen, nor should they ever occur. You also took the fine jewelry I gave you, the jewelry made of my gold and silver, and you made for yourselves male idols and engaged in prostitution with them. And you took your embroidered clothes to put on them, and you offered my oil and incense before them, also the food I provided for you, the fine flour, the olive, the olive oil, and the honey that I gave you to eat, you offered as fragrant incense before them. That is what happened, declares the sovereign Lord. And you took your sons and daughters, whom you bore to me, and sacrificed them as food to the idols. 
Was your prostitution not enough? You slaughtered my children and sacrificed them to idols. In all your detestable practices, your prostitution, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, kicking about in your blood. Woe! Woe to you, declares the Sovereign Lord. In addition to all your other wickedness, you built a mound for yourself and made a a lofty shrine in every public square. At the head of every street, you built your lofty shrines and degraded your beauty, offering your body with increasing promiscuity to anyone who passed by. You engaged in prostitution with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, and provoked me to anger with your increasing promiscuity. So I stretched out my hand against you, and I reduced your territory. I gave you over to the greed of your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines, who were shocked by your lewd conduct. You engaged in prostitution with the Assyrians, too, because you were insatiable. Even after after that, you were still not satisfied. Then you increased your promiscuity to include Babylonia, a land of merchants. But even with this, you were not satisfied. How weak-willed you are, declares the Sovereign Lord. When you do all of these things, acting like a brazen prostitute, when you build your mounds at the head of every street and make your lofty shrines in every public square, You were unlike a prostitute because you scorned payment. You adulterous wife. You prefer strangers to your own husband. Every prostitute receives a fee, but you give gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from everywhere, for you give your illicit favors. So in your prostitution, you are the opposite of others. No one runs after you for your favors. You are the very opposite, for you give payment, and none is given to you. Therefore, you prostitute. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you poured out your wealth and exposed your nakedness and your promiscuity with your lovers, and because of all your detestable idols, and because you gave them your children's blood, therefore I'm going to gather all of your lovers with whom you found pleasure, and those you loved as well as those you hated. I will gather them against you from all around, and will strip you in front of them, and they will see your nakedness. And I will sentence you to the punishment of the woman who committed adultery and who shed blood. I will bring upon you the blood vengeance of my wrath and jealous anger. Then I will hand you over to your lovers, and they will tear down your mounds and destroy your lofty shrines. They will strip you of your clothes and take your fine jewelry and leave you naked and bare. They will bring a mob against you who will stone you 
and hack you to pieces with their sword. They will burn down your house and inflict punishment on you in the sight of many women. I will put a stop to your prostitution, and you will no longer pay your lovers. Then my wrath against you will subside, and my jealous anger will turn away from you, and I will be calm and no longer angry. Because you did not remember the days of your youth, but enraged me with all of these things, I will surely bring down on your head what you have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Breaks my heart. Because surely he is speaking about America and the American church. We have sought the favor of the world. We have participated in lewdness and detestable practices. We are, according to Revelation, the third chapter, the church at Laodicea. Blind, naked, miserable. The church has become a business. Pastors have become program managers, CEOs, coaches. Not prophets, not preachers. Not warning. Likeable, likeable people. Pleasant people who enjoy the party, who enjoy the acclaim. I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch a a worship service from many years ago. I wanted to listen to this famous preacher. I had to turn it off. Because the first minutes of the of the message were stolen by loud applause and words bringing honor to this preacher, and then being returned in honor to the pastor of that mega church. I said, Lord, we honor one another without honoring you. I'm going to say something that's perhaps going to be startling to you. We're not making it. The church has failed in America. And if there is not a dramatic move of God to bring about repentance, the church in America will be totally destroyed. The storm, the mighty storm, I can already hear as it comes. We have built our huge buildings as monuments to ourselves, going to Pharaoh to borrow the money 
and expecting then that God's people will pay for it. We have had all the pleasant programs, the enjoyable concerts, selling out for a price the concert seats in the sanctuary of the Lord. What do you think he thinks of that? That's called prostitution. When you hold a concert in your church building and you charge for those tickets, you are prostituting the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The house of God is to be called a house of prayer, not a concert hall. I could give you many other examples. Taking government money for the ministry of the church. Since when do we go to the pagan government and take their money and claim we're doing something good with it? Compromised. 501c3s. It's ugly. As I read through this accusation against Israel, Judah, The accusation is bitter. The accusation today against the American church is equally bitter. But we say, what have we done? All we've done is our best. God didn't ask you to do your best. He asked you to obey him. He asked you to leave your sin Oh, but we can we can walk in our sin and we're still saved. If you believe that, you're a prostitute. You've sold your soul to the devil. Now I want to be very clear with you. There are two areas that God will look at. God is going to look at what you do and what you don't do as he passes judgment on your life. Americans like to live in their heads. We're a very conceptual, abstract people. I remember an article on prayer many years ago in the Washington Post. It would not be there today. But it said in their research of people who prayed, as they pressed deeper, they found that people would say, yes, I pray every day. But when pressed hard, they did not pray every day. But they believed that because they said they prayed every day, they actually prayed. Was just a head thing. We live in a day when the church has lived in its head. Intellectual, but unclean by what it does and by what it does not do. Gives me no pleasure to say these things to you. 
It breaks my heart. But there has to be a great awakening in our hearts. There has to be a great coming out. I want to read it for you. The sixth chapter of Second Corinthians. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. Now, before the storm arrives, is the time of salvation. Let me read more for you. What agreement is there? Verse 16, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. See, there's the heart of the issue. We're still part of the world. We spend our money basically the way the world spends their money. The church has the same goals that worldly organizations have. Come out from them. Stop watching their wicked television shows. Stop filling your mind with things of darkness and the way of evil men and women. Turn aside. Don't walk in sexual uncleanness. Don't walk in anger and bitterness. Don't walk in in lust for power and success. Come out from them and be separate. You see, there's something we have to do and there's something we have to stop doing. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. See, the truth is when you touch unclean things with your eyes, when you gamble, when you participate in worldly entertainment, when you sit down and watch the football games, you're touching something that's unclean. 
So you're not received by God. So what you're left with in that case is a form of godliness, but no power. Isn't that what Timothy said? They have a form of godliness, but no power. That's the condition of the church today. We have a form of godliness, but the church has no power. Look at your life today and identify any unclean thing that you're touching. And I ask you, please, in the name of Jesus, would you put that unclean thing away? Will you go through the, the videos you have in your house and every unclean thing would you cast out? Would you go through your saved websites and every unclean site would you erase Would you go through your refrigerator and your cupboards and everything that's unclean, would you throw it away? Every unclean friendship, will you cut now? Will you break it now? Will you stop? Some of you are living with somebody you're not married to. Will you leave that relationship or marry that person? Oh, pastor, if I marry them, I'm going to lose my my retirement from my first husband. I, I can't afford to do that. How would I survive? Well, you won't survive living with somebody and not being married. You're unclean. And God won't, he won't receive you. You'll be cast out. The storm will take you. He says, if you don't touch anything unclean, he'll be a father to you. You will be a son or a daughter. Those are precious promises. Do you believe the promise is true? You see, we're in trouble. The American church is in desperate trouble. And if you call yourself a Christian today in America, we are all in trouble. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. And how are we going to survive the great storm that is coming? If you don't know how to hide in Jesus, if you don't know how to walk clean before him, if your heart is shallow, cheap, tawdry, how will you survive? If you're just going about your business every day, earning your money, taking care of your financial obligations. What are you going to do with Jesus? 
do you imagine that God is going to let you enjoy all of the benefits of living in America with no accountability for holiness? Are you kidding me? Do you think that you have a right to live in America in the benefits of this prosperous land and that you owe nothing to Jesus and that you can just be a consumer of all of these goodies that God has provided for America when most of the world is hungry, barely surviving? Do you think America is somehow entitled to something? All that we have enjoyed in America has come from our holy forefathers and our foremothers as they walked righteous before God, as they sought his face. The foundations of America were built in holiness. And we have enjoyed this, the most luxurious place in all of the world, in history of the world. The food, the cars, the housing, the luxury. Do you think we're somehow entitled to this? That we're better than the rest of the world who has suffered under oppressive governments? Do you think our government can survive in ungodliness and immorality? Are you kidding me? A storm, a mighty storm, is coming upon America. And we need to get to God. And we need to bow in humble repentance before him for our lukewarmness and our arrogance and our belief that we are entitled to all of this luxury. Well, in the Sudan... While in China, while in Saudi Arabia, while in many countries around the world, Christians are being murdered in India, many other places, Christians are being murdered because they confess Jesus as their Lord. So many of you who call yourselves Christians today touch everything unclean. Come on, I'm just being honest with you. The church today in America is unclean. It's full of pride and arrogance. It's full of the world, the flesh and the devil. There's a sentimental religion, a cotton candy Jesus, a Santa Claus Jesus. The Lord's not going to touch that church except by judgment 
and destruction. Chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Perfecting holiness, that is, leaving all sin, being washed and made clean. We purify ourselves by placing our trust in Jesus Christ, And then there are things we no longer will do, and there are things we will begin to do. It's not about what's in your head. It's about how you live, how you spend your time, your money, your energy. Do you care for the poor? Do you sacrifice for others? Or is this all about you and your wonderful lifestyle? Do you sacrifice for the work of the kingdom of God? How do you stand today? I want to read one more brief passage for you. This is 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 13. Therefore, Prepare your minds for action. I'm calling you today to prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work, that is what each man does, Impartially he judges. Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Verse 22, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, you are purified by what you do and what you don't do. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, 
so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I want you to offer sacrifices acceptable before the Lord. I'm going to dedicate the National Prayer Chapel to seeking the face of God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk through with you what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are some who falsely believe that when you were baptized in water, you received all of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the same time. And yes, the Holy Spirit does live in me, and he has done a wonderful work of cleansing and purifying by the blood of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the dynamite, dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit coming and immersing you And it's going to mean that you're going to have to be washed and made clean. We'll talk about Azuzu Street this week. We'll talk about the scriptures this week, about who the Holy Spirit is, what his work is. I want to speak specifically to those people this week who have a desire to receive the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to be a part of a small group of people who are holding one another accountable and who are earnestly praying for the presence and power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit promised to the disciples on and came on Pentecost Day, then please consider coming to the National Prayer Chapel. Next Sunday, we'll be in a new place. And I will have our dear brother Ed post that on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And you're welcome to come if you're serious. And you know that the church is in serious trouble and needs the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to revive it and turn it from its wicked ways. Somebody has to pay the price to pray that through. I'm calling the prayer chapel to pay that price. I'm calling you, if the Holy Spirit is calling you, to come and be a part of that praying. We're not going to play church. We're going to seek with all of our hearts we're going to knock with all of our strength. And we're going to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit based on Luke, the 11th chapter. Now, I can hear the storm. It's close and it's coming. And you need to get right with Jesus before it hits. And the church must be called to repent.
you may be one of those who has stopped attending church. And you've become cynical in your heart. Now's the time to turn from that cynicism and get real with Jesus. Lord Jesus, I bring every person who has listened to this broadcast before you. And I ask now that we would not touch anything unclean, that you would receive us. I plead with you to hear our prayers for mercy for your church. I plead with you, Father, to turn the heart of your people back once more to you, even as you turned the heart of Israel. Lord, would you turn the heart of the American church? Would you revive us once again? Even as you did in Wales or Zuzu, or under Jonathan Edwards or John Wesley or George Whitfield, Would you turn our hearts back? I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Please write to me at Post Office Box. 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. We're in the last week of this month. And I praise God that we've not had to use one day just to do fundraising. I pray that will continue as you who are God's people sacrifice for the work of the gospel. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can click on the upper right-hand corner to give. There are also the YouTube videos that you can put on your social media sites, Facebook. If you're listening on YouTube today, would you please subscribe to our channel so that we can be spread more widely by Google. I just stand by faith today that that you've heard this cry from me and that your heart is responding and that you will step toward Jesus and say, Lord, have your way in my life. I will stop touching everything unclean. You know what's unclean in your life. You know the attitudes. You know the practices. You know what's unclean. And I ask you to stop. Stop touching it. Put it away. I said to a brother yesterday, get rid of your television. He said, oh, pastor, There's nothing wrong with my television. 
Yes, there is. You're touching unclean things. Well, we're out of time. Tomorrow, we'll begin looking seriously at this question of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He has to come, or we're lost. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of